your topic today. Oh, yes, yes. And we're fresh off the black nine. Just enjoyed. <laughs> Tried to get through nine holes with our, our kids, but it was in nice experience it was a nice experience like your son's an athlete man he has a good kind of natural i almost felt bad giving him advice i feel like it made it worse and i don't have anything to say about that especially people tell me that all the time Mm -hmm. and i know that i was far from an athlete so i don't really know how to how to take that uh because clearly he got it from my in-law side of the family i have never been called an athlete I was perfectly average in every sport I played. I was never the worst. I was never the best. You know, I'd say when I say he's an athlete, a lot of it looks like he understands what should be happening. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily that he's got because there's a lot of kids that are like very fast, but they don't understand a race. Like I'm supposed to beat other people or in soccer, I'm supposed to get the ball into the goal. So like when kids understand what's happening, you're like, oh, that kid's an athlete because then they can start working on getting themselves in the right place. That's what it feels like. Like he understands we're playing golf. I'm trying to hit this ball. Yeah. And he's like that with all the sports. <laughs> he plays everything, basketball, baseball. Mm-hmm. He's, he's do it, currently playing ba- soccer and baseball in the same season. Okay. And, yeah, he, he's an athlete. He's an athlete. <laughs> that is awesome. But today, the topic of our show, we're going to touch on, is it racism? Is it racism? We've teased on this one before. Yes. Never quite hit it. And And... To keep us focused, I've got several topics that we're going to delve into. Okay. We're going to talk about microaggressions. Oh. Code switching. Oh. Implicit bias. Okay. Systemic racism. Coping mechanisms and support. Oh, yeah. If we have time. If we have time. If we have time. We'll go into the mental health stuff later. That's, <laughs> we're yeah. we're going to hit yeah. the parts that are, that are fun and exciting first. Yes. First of all, uh, I'm going to ask you. Uh, what is an experience that you've when have you experienced racism oh man that one gets difficult because we have this movie style racism mm-hmm. where the person that obviously hates black people yes you know comes in and they make it known this thing is happening because you're black <laughs> and i don't know that i've ever had that full experience I, i've had instances where I felt as though I was treated different because I was black. Mm-hmm. I've had instances where I have seen a disparity in treatment. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I think even the worst part is I personally been over backwards to make sure I don't end up in a scenario mm-hmm. like that. And so I cut some of these things off beforehand. Okay. Well, I think that's a perfect place to start. Let's discuss those where there's no clear definition mm-hmm. of was it racist but in our mind we're like you know would this same scenario have played out if i was white okay would you have an example in, in your head already i, I do um m- most of the time i'm pulled over i feel like i'm pulled <laughs> over first because i'm black and then they find a reason as they're looking around my vehicle mm-hmm. uh an instance I had a, a, I'd say a very black vehicle, a yeah. black person type vehicle. It was an Acura. Acura. I had 20 inch rims on it. It was black on black. Um, I didn't tint it, but I got pulled over several times because they felt like my tent was too dark. And it, it, it came with a factory tent. Yes. Like most luxury cars do. Even the one 
Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's 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 a luxury car. It has tent on. But and and I've been pulled over, but not cited because my tent was too dark or it appeared too dark. And I actually took it to somebody and had them tested, and they were like, "Man, you have like the lightest tent on your vehicle." And so then the question is. Were you profiled because mm-hmm. of your race or were you profiled because of the vehicle? Were you uh, pulled over because the cop was sent somewhere and said, hey, pull over five cars in this area? And yeah. It had nothing to do with race. Well, we also know that um, statistically, my age group, uh, you know, you pull over somebody almost. 20, 25 to 35. Most, you know, I guess one third of them is going to be riding dirty. Riding dirty. <laughs> and so if you pull over three people, you're going to get a criminal. Yes. And I think it may be more like one in five, but you pull over five people. One of the five is going to be mm-hmm. have some kind of criminal activity. And the problem gets to be if you pull over five black people, one in five black people is going to be criminal. Mm-hmm. So you pull over 10 black people. You've got two black criminals. Yeah. It, and I'd. Not quick to call racism, but when I talk to my white friends and they don't have this same experience, then it's like, mm, you know, can I call it racism? And I think that when it gets difficult, because anyone who sympathizes with the idea that systemic racism exists doesn't have the same experience. Mm-hmm. But for anyone who believes that systemic racism is fake, most of them tell you that they've been in instances where oh a cop has done that to me too oh a policeman mm-hmm. has pulled me over so you get this but does it happen as often <laughs> i and that's a good question and so the very first question we started with is is that racist mm-hmm. and those are instances where i feel like it now have you had any experiences like this um, my the one i i call most often is when we were heading up to sean's our youngest brother's wedding in minnesota now, this is at the end of COVID, and Black Lives Matter stuff was happening. Yes. Minnesota's the epicenter. They were still actually having protests in Minnesota. Still in having Minneapolis. protests. Yes. And so we're heading up to his wedding, and I'm super paranoid. <laughs> like, before my, my dad and his brother went up, and I was like, hey, y'all, make sure you make you have your American Legion stuff on you and in the window. And I kind of— Working almost, on your de-escalation techniques. Right from the beginning. <laughs> like, when we, when we went up there, like, I hung my suit— in the window so it looked like I was a pastor and I had my Bible in the window and so when I got pulled over I got pulled over in West Virginia and it was late at night Mm -hmm. got pulled over in West Virginia we were driving I was like I think there's a cop behind me I told my wife and he followed and he followed and he followed and he followed so long I was like there's no way this is a policeman you know why would he be here so long without putting Mm -hmm. his lights on so at that point I relaxed I'm like okay it's clearly not an officer it's just somebody who can't see or something they're just following too close to me this whole time pull up to a light and as I'm starting to pull away from the light he throws the light that's on me oh man it is a policeman so he pulls me over you know comes over to the side I got my hands on the wheel you know officer what'd you stop me for he said well you got a third brake light that's almost out in the back and we're just coming to check on you I don't understand almost out does that mean it was kind of dim so there are five bulbs uh-huh. on my brake light as soon as i got pulled over for this like the next morning because we drove all night so this was late at night i get the feeling i got pulled over because i had virginia tags in the west virginia capital mm-hmm. and they pulled me over to check to see what was going on and i almost wish they had just said hey you know you got out of state tags there's some weird stuff going on just check and see how you're doing what you're up to you know uh see if you're okay it's late at night mm-hmm. i would have preferred that it would put me at ease 
but that's that's not what he went with. He went with third brake light. But so the next morning I went to AutoZone and I bought new bulbs. Uh-huh. And you know, got five bulbs in the back, two of them were burning, three of them need to be replaced. So two fifths of the light was out. Um and that that's that's why that okay. that was the reasoning for pulling me over. <clears throat> and I don't even know if a third brake light is required. But not my brake lights. The third brake light, the one on top of the... That was the one that was almost out. And So, do you believe that was the reason he stopped you, or that was the reason he could find for stopping you? That was the reason he could find. I have the feeling he drove behind me so long mm-hmm. so he could run my plates. Mm-hmm. He could run the tags. He could see what was going on. Now, is race... When they run your, your tags, can they tell what race you are? I don't know. Does your license pop? I think they can. I don't know. But at this point, I also had dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it would be pretty easy to see, you know, it, it, even if I wasn't black, I was a hippie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pull this guy over and see if he's got anything in the car, see if it smells like weed, see if we can push it up to the next level. And so I don't, I don't know. I I, I, I try not to let my mind run there, mm-hmm. but that that's the belief. When I tell the story, I often tell the story in a way that I think leads it to that same kind of thought. And so that that's my most recent pullover. Um, and the question of, is it racist? I think so, but I also don't believe the police officers who pulled me over were personally racist. And I think that's where we get into really big difficulties. I think we've got this system that's built that causes racist actions without having many racist people left. Mm. And I think that's what really confuses a lot of white people, is they're going around going, Where, how can there be racism when there's no racist left? Mm. And, and they're right, for the most part, even the, the officers that were down there with Black Lives Matter that ended up storming the Capitol. They were good guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they did a good job for the county. They came out with us. I, I ran into them on a couple occasions when we were with Black Lives Matter events because mm-hmm. I come out there and clean up afterwards. Good guys. So they personally weren't a problem, but they jumped into something that felt problematic or they were part of something bigger that was problematic. Even running back and seeing the video where they're like looking for flamethrowers or, you know, well, for an escalation. What what upsets you about the officers? About them participating? Yes. Is the f- folks that are sworn to like uphold and defend the Constitution okay. being so disbelieving that the Constitution functions that they're willing to take up arms against it? Mm-hmm. Scared me the most. Okay. And I, I had about the same feeling. My thing was... Um, these people who are enforcing laws don't feel like they apply to them. Yeah. That's that's what bothered me. It's like, we can force these laws on, on black people, but when it comes to us, they don't apply. And that I think that gets to be, that gets to be the scariest part of starting a lot of these conversations. Even when we went to that meeting about um, jury duty. Yes. That same thought. Because they were saying in the jury, if you're in with the jury, you don't have to judge based on law and precedent and all the stuff that was said before. If everything comes back and says, according to the law, this person is guilty, but you feel in your heart they did nothing wrong and the mm-hmm. government is actually overreaching, you can say, no, 
this person is not guilty. Yes. And when they said that, like you leaned over and you said, that's how Emmett Till got off. Yes. Uh, And I guess. Or Emmett Till's killers. Yes. And it it bothered me because uh, we will never be on the same footing. I. The more that I'm, I'm with you, the more I find out stuff that I shouldn't find. It's like the more you're feeding me that that red pill that I just I don't want to swallow. Uh, that we are not as good. Even we had an NAACP meeting, mm-hmm. and we invited the school board members to show up. The one member who was at large, who initially the position was created for a and minority, it, specifically African because it was it was following desegregation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the school board members said that they fought to get our most recent superintendent elected, mm-hmm. and you know I'm thinking you had to fight to get this woman elected. She is the most qualified. Yes. She is she is more qualified than the previous. I, I know three superintendents that we had yeah. as far as education and experience. Yes. She was an administrator. She was an at educator. At every level. At, at, I feel like, how did how many schools was she a principal at? Was it uh, two? I, no, at least three because okay. she didn't know. I know she was at elementary school. Mm-hmm. She was the, the primary um, principal at uh, Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. She spent some time at the high school, so I know at least three levels. So she was a principal at least has three a schools. doctorate. She she was by far the most qualified mm-hmm. candidate, and they, they had, had to fight for her. And to me, for what what reason other than that, that she was black and female? I I I, I hate to admit I, how much I think that still, especially still being a male and still holding on mm-hmm. to some of the biases that I have in general is it's still there is men's willingness to listen to women even when they're right mm-hmm. is still a little bit off so she's got kind of the double whammy okay and I guess I didn't consider that just because I I know that the school board is made up of you know pretty equal with the male and female members Yes, and I wonder, but I wonder if some of that thinking is it's okay to have women on the school board as long as there's a man as a superintendent in charge. Hmm. And I, I, I hate to entertain that kind of thought, but I think it exists, and I, I think it makes it easier to vote for women into those other positions with the idea that there's a check on them. Hmm. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that's not accurate, but I... Yeah, I think all of these are... are unproven theories yes you know even with with where we think it's racism it's not confirmed there's still that doubt um but you know this exists way back is one of my favorite uh i guess it could be quotes but a clip that i often see is um james baldwin would say i don't know if your unions are racist but i know i'm not allowed in your unions Mm -hmm. I don't know if the banks and the lending institutions golf are courses. racist, the golf courses, but I know I can't move into your neighborhoods. I know you keep me in the ghettos. Mm. So he said, I don't know if they're racist, but the results seem to be racist. Mm. And that leads me to believe that that racism exists there. And so I think that's where the same, the same argument is moving forward even now. Is it racist? Feels like it's based on the results and not what is appearing around it. Mm. So now, right now, 
It is uh, 5-24-2023. Okay. Well, 8-26. And I'm saying this because I know there was some ambulances in the background. Mm-hmm. And we're right in the middle of town across the street from Rocky Mount. So if anybody knows why that particular thing is happening, they can put those two pieces together. So I was okay. just going to throw that out. Well, with that being said, uh, I think it's, now is a good time to uh, delve into some some more current uh, terms. Okay. That are, are used to address race. We can start with microaggressions. Microaggression. That's a scary one. Um, and and I'll go ahead and define it. Um, microaggressions are everyday verbal, nonverbal, and environmental slights, snubs, or insults, intentional or unintentional, mm-hmm. that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative messages to target persons basically solely based solely upon their marginalized group membership. Mm. Like right off the bat, mm-hmm. you're not you're not like you're not like the black people. Mm-hmm. Um. It, <laughs> yeah, you, you speak differently. You speak so well. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that's one that, that we've heard. Several I'm times blacker than up. you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, so those kind of when they when they disassociate intelligence or you know doing something well with being black feels like a microaggression i think it can hurt because i also know we'll do that inside the black community mm-hmm. teasing yeah, or at least that's how it's felt to me when when somebody else is has, who's black has been like oh you're using your white voice are you <laughs> i don't i've never felt like they were saying oh now that you're educated well uh, you're actually touching on our next term, code switching. Code switching. <laughs> I, <laughs> there wasn't a term for it back then, mm-hmm. but I I knew we did it. Um, I knew that when I was around, you know, um, white people, I I changed my vernacular. <laughs> when did you figure it out? Um. Oh, that's hard to say. I, I think I always knew that um, when I was around black people, I felt and I think I I switched more around black people to make them comfortable because I had always heard, you know, you speak, you speak white, you sound white. You don't. I'm whiter than you. And I think I felt like I had to change to kind of be accepted mm-hmm. around my own people. OK. And, and that. That didn't change until I went to college, and I realized, you know, why am I I'm making myself sound different? It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. I, when I was surrounded by other black people like me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when did you find out? Uh, my professor called me on it. I had no idea I was doing it. Um, I was working on my master's degree, and we had been working in the lab, kind of setting some stuff up and getting ready for it. And we had to go to the other side of campus. And I was like, oh, my car's over here. I'm going to head over to the other camp side of campus. He's like, let me ride with you. So we get in the car, and we ride over. And there's a couple of the high college students at Virginia State out in, in the campus, and I lean out and ask if they can move out the way so we can get over and park somewhere. And they're like, yeah. And they move over, and like he looks at me. He's African, so he's not, you know, uh, African American he's actually from Africa and he's like you don't speak to them the same way you speak in the classroom uh, I think he said something like I like how you do that and I was like what did I do I didn't it, it didn't dawn on me that there was a different 
way that I would speak around people, uh, depending on what outcome I was trying to get. So that, that was a shock for me. I never heard the term code switching until much later on. I always associated it with the fact that we moved so much and that we would kind of pick up accents. So I never really thought that I was changing, Well, depending on the situation, until that moment. I'm trying to think. The term that we, I think we used was our white voice. I, I never used that. I don't think I'd ever used that term until the movie came out. Um, Thank you for calling. Is that what it's called? Sorry, brother. Sorry to bother yeah. you. Something like I, I know what you're talking about. Where where he's he's working at a call. Yes, center. the guy from Atlanta. Yes, Darius. Who, who plays Darius? Who plays the character uh, Darius? Keith Stanfield. Keith Stanfield. Uh, yes. And so they, they have that kind of exaggerated movie that really starts off at the beginning with the idea that you can code switch your way into prosperity. Uh, and then it, it goes into a whole lot of different directions <laughs> after that. But that was that's the premise they use to kind of draw you into the movie is about the ability to code switch almost to an extreme mm-hmm. where you can uh, make everyone else comfortable by using this non-threatening white voice yes uh it is exaggerated but there is truth to it because um getting pulled over Mm -hmm. that is i know for a fact that i become a different person because i want to make myself you know approachable Mm -hmm. um easy to talk to and, and I, I think I even bring my voice down an octave. Yes, officer. How, how are you? May, may I help you? May I take the bass out your voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that that was my white voice. Hmm. I I knew I did it. I mean, I, I think I'm aware I do that too, but I don't. I've never associated any of these things with whiteness. And I think part of it is because I've also seen a lot of other black men that I've dealt with mm-hmm. engage in the same thing. So it, it never seemed to me like it was an emulation of, of white folks to, to navigate something. It, it still felt like it was an emulation of the, the black men that I've been around. So I, I, don't, I just don't have the same, and that's wild, like how some of these things, like three years apart between us, <laughs> Uh, the same experiences may, you know, for me occurred like in St. Louis and then for you would occur in Petersburg and how there's a different feel even just in the number of black people and or the racial mix up of the, the places that we were in in those mm-hmm. places. I think it makes just a huge difference. <laughs> but I, I think I am a master of code switching. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think... The navigating microaggressions I've gotten good at and it gets difficult navigating between the microaggressions that are funny sometimes or, or humorous or may even play into a stereotype that you uh, enjoy yeah I, I'm, I'm not too too strict on microaggressions I, I usually handle those with a maybe a, a joke because I don't fit a lot of the stereotypes. You know, I, I've been on the wrong end of a lot of them, like getting picked first, moving to a new school, getting picked for, first for <laughs> basketball, and I'm like, ooh, gosh, y'all just messed up. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, which I guess is one that, like, 
when you're not playing basketball, for people to look around and go, boy, I bet you're good at basketball. It's like, yeah, you know, I know how to ball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my leg's cramping. I don't think I'm going to be able to play with y'all this afternoon. So some of those, you know, stereotypes, I don't don't think bother. (laughs) Uh, But I also know I personally have, I offer microaggressions to other minority classes. Um, foreigners, homosexuals. There are things that I have that I'm I've got built into my word banks that are not positive things that are microaggressions that I've just got built in as everyday idioms. Well, I'm gonna have to put you on the spot and you know share. Um, share some examples. I, I guess gay calling things gay. Um, what is this, 2002? It, I'm saying, well, in 2002, I was still very much an adult. And uh, the boondocks, which I absolutely loved, where the character would constantly go, you gay. <laughs> uh, and just me laugh. Ha, 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 that's fun. It's, you know, okay. it's the creation of, a, of a, a microaggression to something that I'm not. Like, I don't ever have to struggle with any the way society deals with homosexuals. I never will. Mm. And I allow myself to laugh at that joke or to repeat that joke back in, in spaces that I thought was comfortable. And it was just me expressing the same kind of microaggressive behavior that you know I turn around and complain about later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I know I'm just as guilty of some of these things. So I, I don't take it as seriously because I know I'm gonna need forgiveness myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily because it doesn't hurt in some instances, because sometimes it does. Sometimes the microaggressions, I'm like, ooh, I don't. But I know I'm offering them the same way, unfortunately. I'm getting better, I think. Oh, I, I think that's the key, is <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that you're willing to get better. Because yes. even now, um, if some somebody throws out uh, terms that can be deemed derogatory mm-hmm. towards uh, the LGBTQ community, uh, it's kind of like glass shattering. It it it's it's painful to hear now. Yes. Um. Even even Dave Chappelle stand up. Love Dave Chappelle, but some of the stuff it it was it kind of it was cringeworthy. Yes. Um. Yes. And I I think that that's what growth is about. It, it's important. Um. And even my kids, you know, they they they've called me out. They're quick to call me out, mm-hmm. like on on stuff that. I should be more aware of it and more accepting of and maybe you should reconsider the, the humor in that. Uh, and I guess it's good. That's that's what you're hoping to do is you're hoping mm-hmm. to raise kids who are better able to recognize when other folks are comfortable. And this, I think this gets me to, to the politically correct, mm-hmm. which is where I almost would like the, the label on this to be is the term politically correct. For me, the term politically correct always meant calling people by what they wanted to be called. Mm-hmm. That's it. I agree. Well, how, how do we make progress? Um, you have to believe others. And I think what's happening now with, in terms of transgender is the extreme of believing others. When I look at somebody and I say, in my mind, I have categorized you this way. And they look at you and say, that is not who I am. Mm-hmm. Am I going to go, you know, I'm going to turn my mind off. Or am I going to say, I believe you. As a human being, I believe you. Mm-hmm. And you have those two choices. And right now, I think that's where folks are at odds with. Yes. 
is do they have to change their own mind or do they believe someone else's experience and someone else's lived experience is different? Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, and I feel like we do a people. I'm not myself, <laughs> 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 but people do a lot of doubling down. Um, if somebody tells you, you know that offends me, and maybe you should reconsider it. We're quick to say, mm, I feel this way. I believe this way. So what you say doesn't matter. You know what the crazy thing is? I've never in my whole life heard someone say that offends me. I've heard somebody say, if I say this, it might offend somebody. I've heard somebody say, people will tell me that's offensive. But I've never heard somebody say, you have offended me. Mm. So you haven't heard anybody say that, you know, something is offensive. I've heard I've heard people say like, oh, that's racist or that's homophobic. I've heard them kind of push that. But in most cases, it's almost a defense against something as opposed to honest reflections of their own feelings. Like this idea that there's a lot of hurt people out there like, oh, that offends me. I don't know that that the, exists. The term butt hurt comes to mind. I hear right. that a lot. Yep. Yep. But um, I don't know that those people really exist. Like there's, we're building this enemy out there that's easy to defeat, but it's not real. Like there's nobody out there just offended. Oh, I'm offended at this and I'm offended at that. That doesn't, that's not real. What's happening is when somebody hears somebody being improper and they go, you're bad, don't do that. Then the person who just gets called bad and doesn't do that goes, oh, everybody's so sensitive now. I can't believe it. You know what I mean? Like they're making this sensitive person. That's, 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 that now are they making them unapproachable? I think you are unapproachable when you do that. Well, because um, you're saying that they haven't actually encountered somebody that might be offended by their language no, no. or. I think they've encountered those people, but I don't think those people shrink back and say, oh, I'm offended. I think they either do the, the two things that I, well, the one thing that I usually do, which is just pretend like it either didn't happen or it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. So the people that are really offended act as if. But then there are people who will stand up and advocate. They'll, they'll stand up and go, you're not doing that. You're not going to use the word gay in this situation for something derogatory. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. And when somebody stands up and does that, and, you know, I get my feelings hurt because you just called me homophobic. And then I go, listen, you're so sensitive just because things offend you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I yeah. think it actually works is people get called on it. And then they themselves get sensitive and hurt about being called out. And they pretend as if this bad guys out there and then we've got this media that's feeding us in oh these woke sensitive people out here are out here yeah. fighting and that's not what that's not the reality mm. of what's going on in the world yeah i guess you're right because there have been several times there's there's one word that other than the n-word that, that mm-hmm. kind of bothers me whenever i hear it is, is boy boy <laughs> yeah um and that, that's a tough one because it can be endearing, I think, especially amongst the white population. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they'll call each other like, oh, you're a good old boy. But two black men would never go, come on, boy, let's let's go on. Yeah. Never. At what, <laughs> at, at what point do you um, let them know, hey, you, you know, I'm cool, but around other black people, you, you might not want to call them boy. 
I don't, I don't, I have no idea how you would approach this because I think collectively African Americans have decided not to fight that fight. Like anyone who's listening, this might be the first time that they realize the term boy is a problematic term in the black community. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll use an instance. I was at work um, and our office manager, mm. she's probably about 65. And, you know, she might remind me of Paula Dean, you know, Southern white woman, real nice, really hospitable, but doesn't meet a stranger. Um, and one of my coworkers came into the office and he's probably in his 60s. Mm-hmm. And he brought in a client and she's like, you know, what are you boys up to? And he, he corrected her. He's, you know, you really shouldn't call a black man boy. And, and I feel like she was offended because she was corrected. Yes. Sensitive. Yes. So I, again, this is just an experience I have. I've never had is, mm. is I've, I've never corrected those instances. I've had the same. Well, how would you handle? I'd let him do it. Well, no, no, the other way. How would you handle being corrected if somebody said, you know, in my my religion, my faith, we don't use that term. You should you should not address me as such. It it happened to me. Um, I had a a student. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send this to him now. I had a student, a wonderful student, um, was a member of the Latter-day Saints, Mm -hmm. called him a Mormon. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, Mr. Moore, it's kind of derogatory. We'd like to go as LDS, or we'd like to be called Latter-day Saints. Oh. That's the way we like to be addressed. And uh, first instinct, absolutely, was to defend myself. Really? Like, oh, that's where, like, that, that's what hit me first. It really was. And I, I kind of got myself together, and I went to him later, and I was like, you know, that, that was a big deal. Like, you just corrected a teacher on something. And I want to say thank you for that. I'm going to work on it. It's an old habit, so it may still come up. And if it, if I do, I just want you to keep working with me. Hmm. So I think I got it right in the end, but I didn't get it right initially. <laughs> um, so it, it's happened. That, that happened a, a few years ago. I, I, I Honestly, I couldn't, have see, I couldn't see myself as a student correcting a teacher in the same way he did. Hmm. And he did a good job. And see, I, I think I'm always up to growing, because mm-hmm. um, I, I think I, in high school, um, you know, we were used to, to Amish, and, and when we moved out here, there was the uh, German Baptists, mm-hmm. but the term that everybody throws around was Dunkards, mm-hmm. and you know that's what I I would call them until I met somebody who what wasn't, you know dressed like a traditional German Baptist but he let me know hey man it's not cool <laughs> and see I got I got corrected on that without having used the term I got lucky mm-hmm. so I was near somebody who corrected somebody else and I went oh okay yeah and see yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that, that but, was but easier did you, did you know that that was a, I guess a term that they, they had no idea I didn't either um, but ever since yeah it's the same way um but I, I think it was easier for me to learn not being the person corrected. Hmm. Uh, so I, I will also have to say there's weight in that. So just like you said, when he corrected her, hey, you know, it's not the way you speak to, to black men. You don't, don't use the term boy. Somebody around hearing that conversation hmm. can get just as easily corrected the same way that I've 
always referred to folks in Franklin County as German Baptists because I overheard that that correctional conversation. So I guess that puts it back in our onus is I, I'm going to have to start educating folks if, if boy is used, mm. that it, that it's it's unfortunate. Uh, and, I, and, American and I think mm. it, it's it's Dang it, more I got homework. now. Well, I think it's more <laughs> people are our parents age, you know, because Shannon's dead. You know, don't call him boy. <laughs> I, I think the term, you know, which Shannon still, my wife still brings up, you know, if you, you call him boy, he'll say, see a boy, slap a boy. Like, <laughs> like I guess like, it'd be come like, at me. yeah, like, if that's what you're seeing yeah. happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, now we're at about 35 minutes, mm-hmm. which, you know, is my timekeeping. This is when I like to put a hold on things yeah got a decent episode in this is my first episode that i've gotten to use adobe audition as a full editor i don't know why i'm throwing name brands you out. sure are uh with absolutely <laughs> this man's no, proud of his software he absolutely he didn't pay no, for the license absolutely no payback <laughs> on our end um but you know part of the reason i'm proud of that is because i had an opportunity to teach this software to students okay and so i, I think that's some of where I'm, I'm glad that i have some technical knowledge that i got this technical knowledge through Franklin County Public Schools and I've had a chance to offer this technical knowledge as a teacher through the school system. So this is kind of a shout out to the school system. Okay. okay. More so than this. Shout software. out to public schools. Shout out, shout out to public schools. Um, but is there anything you want to hit in on this one and you want to tease into the next episode? Uh, you always put that in my lap. I I'm going to let you, you choose the next episode. Oh, I got to choose the next episode. I know exactly what I want to choose. Uh, I bet it's religion. You know what? It's not as politics. <laughs> okay. I do absolutely love religion and politics. <laughs> well, let's put them together then. I, we might as well go ahead and throw them out for the next episode. Okay. Well, if we're going to mix them together, because the, the statement I had was, um, why? You know, what is a Democrat? Because mm-hmm. I got this question thrown to me last night when I was at the uh, the event with the Libertarians. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was a great, great question. Is like, what the heck is a Democrat in the first place? But the, if we're going to mix the two together, how can a Christian be a Democrat would be, I think, the question Ooh. that many people would like to ask. Okay. So if we're going to mix the two questions together, what is And you're going to be the one to answer that because I'm I, Christian and Democrat. Yes. <laughs> and you're still struggling with God. Uh, not God. Jesus. I, I, I feel like there, there is a creator, which... I feel like I am spiritual. I, I pray, mm-hmm. um, I, but I, I, I don't. I, I'm not on board with the whole Christianity and, and a creator having a son that that came and was re- resurrected. Well, but we're, we're starting to get deep. We are we're starting. Gonna, to get we're going to work. We'll take. I'll this say in, you're not the, unique in that because <laughs> if you go to most Christian churches and you're like, tell me about the Trinity. Watch people fight because <laughs> it, it's more difficult than we like to imagine. So I think it's worth it. Okay, well I think we got our teaser for next episode. Teaser for next episode. All right. Mine seems scrambled like a burned out candle with half the wick missing and nothing for flame. Give me a savior that takes me away.
like a worn out needle tripping right across said groove he said there's a silence it's creeping in darkness but why look for answers when there's nothing to prove give me a savior it takes me away down.